The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more, SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan-friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto-friendly. They've all been well-researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Exhaustion podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor and I'm a father to twin identical boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a CPA and I am a mom to three girls, none of which are twins. Thank goodness. <laughs> My name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance coach and athlete in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have 
two teenagers in college and one on her way shortly. Um, and one of those teenagers is a NCAA Division One soccer player um, that we basically adopted in South Africa. So maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast. Um, right. And also, I'm the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. Right on. Very good. Glad y'all are here. Glad you're back. I imagine everybody else is probably glad you're back too. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last week was a solid stuff. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Although I have a lot of, I've had a lot of people reach out to me about vitamin D, interestingly enough, but nobody actually has has put a lot of comments on our Facebook page about vitamin D, but lots of people have like texted me, written me messages. I don't know, like vitamin D is like the secret thing that nobody wants to talk about in the open. I don't know. I mean, but, I do think for female athletes, it's a pretty hot topic. Um, mm-hmm. I think taking it broader like you did was, you know, definitely something people wonder about. So I, I will keep you posted on how it goes. I, I have been solid in my supplement taking over the course of the past uh, week here. And so uh, we will see whether there's any performance benefits or just sort of general benefits. If I even start sleeping better, or if I have a stronger immune system, which is what the bottle claims that vitamin D is supposed to do for you. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's go around the horn real quick. Uh, Eric, what's you up to, man? <laughs> I just completed um, on, on Saturday, uh, I completed the um, epic riding, uh, epic virtual riding uh, effort I put in, uh, completing the Tour of Zwift, uh, while also um, doing the Tour of Sufferlandria solo, except for uh, one event. And I added in the two Chasing Consolera uh, time trials on last Saturday and Sunday. On Zwift. So, on Zwift. Yes, on Zwift. And um, the first run, so I, I did take one day off and then I went out and ran, I think it was Monday. Yeah, I went out and ran Monday with Grace. And uh, if, if you saw the, the title of the race, it was, it was or the, the run, sorry, if you saw the title of the run on Strava, it was, I miscalculated just how much damage I did to my body last <laughs> week. It, it was really interesting. I, because of our life schedule and whatnot, I was getting up between, you know, four and five in the morning. So I could get the two, two and a half, sometimes three hours on the bike before work started. And the uh, getting up was not really that difficult. Getting rolling on the bike was not difficult. And I'll be honest with you, I felt great through the whole day after each one. of. I might've been a little tired, but I, I actually felt really good. And I think that's, a, that's something about me. Morning exercise usually helps me have a good day. Mm-hmm. I was definitely tired at night. For the first five days of this, I was not getting enough sleep, but I was still able to get up and do it. And I think it's one of those differences, though, between cycling and running. Uh, the pounding you 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 get running is evident and clear. Right. I um, totally agree. Feel it. Uh, whereas the the riding was just really making me tired. Mm-hmm. But I was still able because I wasn't. I didn't have that that just like destroyed feeling from running. Because mm-hmm. these were not easy events. Um, I was going out to win those uh, Tour of Zwift rides, and the Tour of Sufferlandria rides just aren't that easy. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, Monday, I really felt it. And then Tuesday morning, I, I felt it even more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I did get a run in yesterday, and I, I started feeling a little better yesterday. I think my body's just gotten used to that, you know, kind of getting beat up again, or I, I, regained my ability to withstand it but um, yeah it was a it was quite an effort um lots of uh, not a lot of sleep lots of time on the bike lots of hydration 
lots of sitting around on Zoom and Teams calls all day long with my feet elevated, lots of using the uh, mechanical massage tool uh, to, to work out any kinks, but um, it was it was pretty awesome. I, I would call it epic. I thought it was fun. Very cool, man. Glad, glad you knocked it out. I totally agree with you, by the way, about the way you feel later in the day after a long ride versus how you feel after a long run. You just don't feel as banged up. You don't feel as much like an old man walking around like you do after a run. And, and that can be very deceiving because <laughs> you, you, you then do something thinking, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm totally recovered. And then you go to do another workout or you go to, to, to do a run or something else like that. It's like, oh, wait, I am actually carrying some fatigue here. So, so I, right. I, I definitely appreciate that. I, uh, I, had, uh, I had a pretty decent training week last week, too. It wasn't anything like the epic week that you had, um, but, but I finished up the Tour de Zwift, as I talked about. I, uh, on Zwift, I did the Uber pretzel route on Saturday, um, which some would argue is the hardest route on Zwift. Uh, it's about 80 miles long, took me a little bit over four hours, um, concludes with a climb up the gigantic Alp de Zwift, which is their biggest climb in game. Um, and uh, with that, I completed all the routes on Zwift, which I know Michelle is appreciative of. So um, now what? All the running routes and all the cycling routes on Zwift are now complete. I've checked all of them off, which I was excited about. And in the process, my sons were very glad about this. I got the Tron bike, as they call it in Zwift, which is the bright glowing bike that looks similar to those bikes that they ride in Tron, uh, in tr the movie Tron. Um, and so, uh, so you get that by, by climbing 50,000 uh, meters in game or about 163,000 feet in game. Uh, and so it takes a long time. Um, so it's a several month process here of doing that. But my sons have been really, really, really on me about, do you have the Tron bike yet? Do they have Tron bike yet? They would ask me like in the middle of the day and then I would go for a run and they'd say, well, do you have the Tron bike? I'm like, I haven't even ridden my bike since the last time you asked me. So <laughs> they, they, uh, they're really into video games. So they like to come watch me do it. So, so yeah, very cool. Um, so we made a prediction that about 10 minutes after you told them you had the Tron bike, the interest would be completely lost. <laughs> How did that go? So, so uh, they were not home when I first got it, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but they, they were actually at lunch with my parents. And But I could hear them out in the yard when they got home from lunch with my parents. They're like, do you think he got it? Did he get this? Did he get the Tron bike on Zwift? And they come in and they're like, did you get it? And I got it. And they were all fired up. And, and no. So far, and it's been, what, four days now, uh, so far the interest has not waned. They like to go on to Zwift and they start up a game and they change the colors of the bike and stuff like that. I had a race last night on Zwift like I have been doing on Tuesday nights here and uh, they were all excited to choose the color of the bike. They decided to make it a bright fluorescent orange um, to completely clash with my bright pink kit that I was wearing for the race. Um, and uh, they, they, they got a gigantic kick out of that, so. Um, so no, it has not waned yet, even though I did, uh, I did agree with you that, that, that 10 minutes was probably a good over under, um, but no, they're still into it right now. We'll see how much longer they stay into it. So I have one more question. <laughs> how much, how much faster do you feel? Because you know how purist okay. I am about this and you know how I, I have such a difficulty with the gaming aspect yeah. uh, of Swift yeah. in this specific case. So how much better is it for you? I, okay. I'll tell you this. So, so a lot of the races that I compete in, I'm competing against people who have been on Zwift for a while. And because they've been on Zwift for a while, a lot of them have this Tron bike. And because um, the Tron bike is one of the fastest bikes in the game, they tend to race in it. 
And so I, I've had several races where there'll be 80 people in the race and, and 60 of them are on Tron bikes, right? Um, and that was, that was the case in the race that I did last night. Um, about the best I can tell you, Eric, is that more than in races in the past, I kind of felt like I belonged in the race last night. Whereas in the race in the past, I, I've been sort of intimidated. I'm like, oh, all these guys on Tron bikes, and uh, this is going to be a really hard race. Uh, um, and I didn't feel that way last night. I actually felt like, oh, this is a race and, and these are my competitors and I actually belong in this race. Um, and so, so did it have a actual like gaming impact in terms of the coefficient of drag and the drafting and all that sort of thing? Did it actually make me faster in that regard? I don't know, maybe. Um, but it definitely had a, a mental effect on the way that I approached both the race and my competitors in the race. So it's like worth. showing up for a half marathon or a marathon and a pair of Brooks versus a pair of Vaporflies. So yeah, kind of, um, and for some people, I suppose. Yeah. Um, when, when I used to race bikes outside, when I was a bike racer, I used to joke with my wife that, that I always would get really, really intimidated when I heard guys speaking Spanish on the starting line. Um, because that would just make me feel like just, Oh snap, this is an international competition. This is so much harder. You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of the way I would always feel, um, showing up at the starting line of a race on Zwift with all these people on Tron bikes, I'd be like, Oh snap, you know, these are, these are competitors. These people are high level. And, and, and racing last night on the Tron bike made me feel like I actually belonged in that race and I could compete with those people. Um, and again, for what that's worth. And I do think that we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. I do think that mental things matter. Um, and so I think that that made me ultimately race stronger last night. Um, still didn't win. <laughs> um, uh, but, why, why didn't uh, you but, win George? So, so what was, I didn't what was win because, yeah, I didn't win because I don't have a good enough one minute power, which is what you have to have, have in order to be able to win a race on Zwift, but well, it's kind of um, hard to put any power down if your chain's not on. So, so, well, yeah. And I dropped my chain too. So uh, <laughs> alas, yeah, but that's fixed now. Thanks to, to you and our other friend, Brian, who, uh, who gave me all the technical advice that I needed. Um, all right, Michelle, we, we really digress from going around the horn here. Uh, tell us around the horn with you. Uh, my around the horn, actually, we can tie it into just reminding everybody about our book that we're reading, Running to the Edge. Um, the book details Bob Larson as a coach. Um, and within the book, we get a little bit of insight into Meb Kofleski's history and training and upbringing and UCLA to professional runner to Boston Marathon champion, New York City Marathon champion, Olympic medalist in the marathon. So um, as I have alluded to before, I did not love running to the edge, but what <laughs> it did was spur my curiosity, um, to really dig into Meb's books. So I just finished listening to run to overcome, which is pretty much his autobiography. And, you know, it's a lot of, uh, I think everybody who's followed the sport and who's a general fan knows the big pieces of the puzzle, but just the intimate details of his childhood and how they left Eritrea and went to Italy and got to California and just everything from middle school running in the morning before school to, you know, choosing UCLA to his path um, and choosing his brother to become his agent. It was extremely enjoyable to listen to. So um, that's kind of my round the horn. Awesome. Very good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So I'm glad, I'm glad you had a good Mev Kofleski, Bob Larson experience to, uh, and now to, I'm going to move to 26 marathons. <laughs> so, I'm on a Mev 26 kick. marathons was good. Yeah. So no, thanks, and, and, thanks to our book choice. 
I'm on a I'm on a med kick now. So. There you go. Very good. Um, I'll, I'll I'll probably end up checking out when I when I finish the book I'm currently reading. I'll I'll probably check out his autobiography as well since you enjoyed it so much because I I'm I'm on a little bit of a miniature med kick as well. Um, so very good and it's worth it. I mean I think he his his books yeah, are fun and obviously story. his story is I mean, compelling. Yeah. Sure. Very good. Very good. Well, what you thought I was going to get you to say was for our new segment, The Run, it's going to be Michelle this week telling us about The Run. <laughs> Michelle, tell us about your run this week. You did a run. <laughs> Michelle went for a run. This yes. is the most exciting thing we have to offer our <laughs> listeners. Um, yeah, I think I went through that uh, two-week period of coming back from either time off or sickness or both, um, where every run is just awful. And then I had a plan on Saturday to run in the evening so that it would wake me up because I wanted to watch a race that started at uh, 11 15 Eastern <laughs> 15 Pacific that's a different story which feels like we're going to go there anyway but um so I just went out and did a usual loop that I do and I don't ever run in the evening I rarely ever run in the evening and I definitely don't usually feel good when I run later in the day but I felt great <laughs> like I just just a normal seven mile loop and I finished it and I was like I think I sort of feel like a runner again so awesome um and just because I knew that you were going to make me say that I, I redid the run this morning <laughs> to make sure that Saturday night wasn't fake um so and I also felt uh, really good running um I ran early Sunday morning after that run Saturday night and took Monday off and then a little bit yesterday in that same loop again today. So um, when I finished that and ate something pace and I don't feel tired, it's pretty, pretty good sign. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll get more than 25 miles this week. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see. That's okay though. So Michelle, the runner is back. And I think that's important. You know, it, it never fails to annoy me. I mean, really annoy me that of the thousands of thousands of miles that all of us have run over the course of our lives, you miss two weeks and suddenly it's like your body totally forgets Ugh. like everything about running. And, and, and I even feel if I miss like two weeks of running, I mentally feel silly running down the street. Like I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm like, everything just feels like I can't even get, I have the slightest incline from my driveway to La Vista road. And I even just, it's just getting to that one tenth of a mile. Is, uh, <laughs> whereas the last few days it's, I've been like, okay, slow down. <laughs> you have to keep going for a few more minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, Very good. Very good. Glad you're back, Michelle. The running world has missed you. Um, and I think so, it's so. valuable to talk about how this is the first time Michelle has ever titled a run in Strava. Well. And <laughs> talk about what that title was. So I, I follow Michelle. She finally accepted it. <laughs> and so I, I get this this run I, i'm scrolling through the feed and i see this michelle frank and there's something other than morning run evening run or you know afternoon run and it says kind of sort of feel like a runner again exclamation point so i was looking for positive reinforcement from george but he just ignored it altogether so I think george that's followed. not true i didn't ignore it altogether i just I, I, I am not the best Strava kudo giver, as you know, but I've been doing better. I've been making a point. Um, I think by now I have actually given you kudos on it. Um, of course, as no, I said, haven't. Eric is literally going to check me on it. Yeah. Uh, Eric, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric holds up his phone to say, yeah, no, you haven't. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm sure. Do I give only... me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> Did anyone give Alan, me kudos besides Eric? Alan McLean, uh, oh. Warren uh, McCowan, McCowan, and Lauren Fogarty. 
Oh, Lauren, Lauren Fogarty. Lauren Fogarty is always good for some. Yeah, she's good for so. making me feel good. I do like a five minute warm up on the treadmill before Orange Theory, and she gives me. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> you actually got. I think this is your first comment ever, too. It, it, of course, it came from me. Looking good. Glad you're back in it! Exclamation point. <laughs> Did I reply? No. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say reply. That's next yeah. level, Michelle. You're you're just now naming runs for the first time. Let's not get carried away with this. Whole Dip thing. the toes in. Dip the toes in. Just... <laughs> right on. Very good. I I am glad to welcome you back to the world of the runners. I'm even more glad to welcome you into the uh, world of people who um, are naming their runs on on Strava, Michelle. Um, and I dare say, Eric. You might need to check that again here because I, I have named something before, right? That I, that, that, that I have now given kudos. To no, he gave kudos while we were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we should say here, that was February 20th. Kind of sort of feel like a runner again. February 21st, morning run. Fe yeah, yesterday, morning run. This morning, morning run. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so, I'm running, so, aren't I? <laughs> so, so Michelle is not quite, and then, then if you go back before that one, Afternoon run, afternoon activity, afternoon run, morning run, morning activity, morning activity. So there, there's still some work that needs to be done here, Michelle, but I do appreciate the fact that you named that run. I mean, maybe also if you run at night and I don't, I'm not rushing to shower, get ready, get my kids up and out of school. I, I actually like opened Strava. So I was like, oh, I'll just name the run. So that, that might be the best argument you've ever made for running in the evening rather than running in the morning. Well, I'm not here to defend running in the evening. That is not something I'm interested in <laughs> continuing. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, awesome, Michelle. Um, so thank you for indulging us in the run. Uh, don't forget, Michelle did mention the book. Um, we are suddenly here at the end of February. This is going to be our last podcast in February. Um, and we had said that we're doing book of the quarter. Um, and so that means that, that, um, uh, running to the edge by Matthew Futterman is we're going to be talking about it really just over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, and so if you haven't read it yet, you want to read it with us, do check it out. Um, I enjoyed it. Michelle and, and, and Eric had mixed feelings about it, we'll say. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll kind of leave it at that, but, but I do look forward to talking to them more about it. Um, also another reminder while we're doing reminders is something I haven't mentioned all that much of lately. Um, and that's race reports. We have had a few people volunteer to come on the podcast and talk to us about their races and talk about race reports. And, and, and we do look forward to all of those. Um, and that actually reminds me too. Um, tell us about James, Eric, how do you do? So uh, James did really well. Um, uh, he, I'll just right off the bat mention that he did not make the three hour mark um, mm -hmm. for the race. But uh, he went out there under some pretty, I'll call them just poor conditions. Um, the, uh, the weather was in the 30s and pouring rain, I believe, for the first four or five miles of the marathon. Um, hmm. Although it's a fairly flat marathon, um, there were some wind issues. Um, There's also a, a bridge, and you guys know how bridges are. And the way the run worked, it was on an island, it's Oak Island Marathon. Um, you, you do a little bit, a couple little out and backs with little 90 degree turns. And so near the end of the race in the 21st, 22nd mile, you do one of these little out and backs, but you go over a bridge, you turn and then go back over the bridge. <laughs> so, so, and, and he was facing the sea on that second over the bridge and it, it was really starting to take it on. But I'll say this. So we had a plan. Uh, we broke the race up into 10 miles, 10 miles and a 10 K 
Um, he went out a little fast and I was chastising him a little bit for that after the race. And then he told me that he actually wore a poncho for the first four miles of the race to stay warm. Yeah. Now that, that sounds tough as it is. Uh, but when you know that, uh, you know, James is shooting for a three hour and he ran those first four miles, I believe 645 or faster mm-hmm. with a poncho on. Mm-hmm. So the, the wind drag alone, I mean, I've heard George, you talk about uh, marathon runners starting with a windbreaker on and being worried about their finish because they've got a windbreaker on. Mm-hmm. He was actually wearing a poncho mm-hmm. uh, dropping 645 miles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that that set him up um, for the result. Now to say that he didn't make the mark, you know, the three hour mark is, is really too simple. He was under 301 uh, mm-hmm. and he, you know, like I said, weather conditions, soggy shoes, uh, the poncho for the first four miles. Um, I think it was a phenomenal effort. Uh, I know he's a, he's a sub three hour marathoner and we're just going to find the next one that he can work towards and, um, and get an actual result that's less than three hours. So kudos to James. It was, it was an awesome run, awesome effort. I'm just glad, you know, that he, he allowed me to help him get to this point and that we're going to continue working together. He's currently on his two weeks, Michelle. I told him, (laughs) Did you I give him a scripted schedule for his two weeks off? Actually, no, I said, well, yes, I did. I said, run. If I was going to say, I was going to say, you cannot tell me that George gives a scripted schedule and Eric does not. <laughs> I, I said, but you're I both said, awful. Run if you want to. And I see this is different. Run if you want to. And if you don't want to, don't run, mm-hmm. uh, but don't do anything fast. And then we'll get back together in two weeks and we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll find the next one. So it wasn't very scripted. No, not at all. Well done, James. Congratulations. Uh, I, I totally agree with your assessment, Eric, that, that there's a lot of intervening factors there. Um, and and to, to miss sub three by less than a minute, I know that stings, but clearly it's in his a sub three marathoner. Yeah. yeah. And so, so just got to get in the right race and, and, and it'll all come together. And, and, and frankly, he's, he's easily a sub three marathoner, um, but let's not get too yeah. carried away. <laughs> let me, let um, me just throw one footnote on that. I, I have to point out that um, his daughter had probably the best race sign I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> his number was number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she drew a little roll of toilet paper. And I think there was a, a toilet and it said, don't wipe out number two. <laughs> That's Very great. nice. Very nice. I, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, number two is number one, but no, clearly she was, she was far more clever than I. So very good. Very good. Um, let's uh, speaking of races, let's talk about some racing that's been going on lately. So weird that every type of racing that you want to see is on right now, Michelle, where are you going to start by telling us about races? Um, so the whole goal of running Saturday evening was so that I would get a kick of energy and be able to stay up late and watch what, was titled the 10, which was uh, an outdoor 10K that we saw run. I did really well. Um, I got to about four minutes and 18 (laughs) seconds before the start of the race. And it was broadcast live on YouTube. And I knew George was playing trivia and it was a countdown. And I sent him the video. And then literally, like, I didn't even see them line up for the start. I woke up at like one o'clock and realized my laptop is still on. It's still on YouTube. So um, I failed to see it live, but I did <laughs> read about it and watch it. And basically, I think this race, you know, kind of shows a lot of what we've been talking about with all the records falling. But for the women, um, 
in her debut 10K, Elise Cranny, who runs her Bowerman Track Club, uh, she just outkicked Carissa Schweitzer at the end. She ran a 30-47, and this race basically took them to number three and number four all time for American women in a track 10K outdoor. So not that there's an indoor 10K, is there? No. Um, only Molly Huddle and Shalane Flanagan have faster times in I think we have to keep in mind that it's only February and this see we just do not, we are not accustomed to seeing this type of running on outdoor tracks this early in the year. So I think, I mean, you could, the entire top 10 American women's 10 K times could be in jeopardy with what I think we're going to see leading into the trials this summer. And then um, something else to note from that race, if you follow Emily Enfeld, she's been a professional since 2013, 2014, She's a bronze medalist uh, from the world championships in 2017, but she has been ridden with injuries. So this was uh, really her first race since a hip replacement surgery a few years ago. Oof. And she's kind of detailed her comeback with that. And she ran an 11 second PR, which I think is just, I mean, if you follow her, her story's amazing, but she is always injured. So she's coming out and years later running another PR, you know, faster um, than what got her. <laughs> A medal at Worlds. And I think that was just also another big highlight from the race that was good to see. That was more of a heartwarming finish story. So for sure, for sure. Let's also, while we're talking about the women's 10,000, let's talk about Gwen Jorgensen. She was in it as well. And I'm, I'm going to say this before we actually talk about Gwen Jorgensen. I, I, I've said on this podcast before, I'm not a Gwen Jorgensen fan. She's been getting a lot of ugliness online lately. And, oh, yeah. and I feel bad that I've contributed to that. And so I'm not going to talk smack about Gwen Jorgensen anymore. Just I, I, I don't want to add to the negativity that's out there about her. But I do think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people on this who listen to this podcast that are Gwen Jorgensen fans who are triathletes and runners and, and saw her sure. win gold in 2016 and have been interested in what she's up to. And so Gwen Jorgensen yeah. was also in the race. Yeah, I would say, you know, Gwen came off of that golden triathlon from Rio and she came out with a statement that um, she was going to switch and she was going to be, you know, a gold medalist in the marathon. And I, and I think, you know, watching her transition from professional triathlon to professional running, I just feel strongly that if she hadn't precipitated the whole thing with, I'm also going to just go be the best runner now, then she wouldn't be getting a lot of the negative feedback. And I mean, the YouTube comments when she was running were, were horrendous. Her sister actually got on at one point. She didn't say anything, but, um, and I saw that obviously in a replay cause I wasn't awake watching it live, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she got lapped in this race. I mean, she ran 32 high. I mean, she's not even, she doesn't even have a qualifying mark, you know, for to be eligible to run in the Olympics, even if she were to be a top three, uh, 10 K runner for the United States. So I think if, I do wonder if she could go back and do it all over again, if she would make a bit of a more modest entrance into the world of professional running um, and try to really stake her claim with results versus what she, um, you know, like prided herself on what she was going to do. Um, yeah. It just feels like she underestimated what it would take and what goes into being a professional distance runner. Um, and that was, I mean, it seemed condescending at the time. So I think that's why she's getting a lot of the negative feedback. But generally speaking, we're going to see her uh, run again. She left altitude. Um, Jerry Schumacher, her coach, felt that uh, they've all been up at altitude. They've been in Flagstaff. They all came down for this race. And she's just not responding to anything up there, not at workouts going up and down. So he sent her back home. And uh, 
she's in, she will be in Austin this weekend uh, to try again, drop down to 5k. So I think it'll be interesting to see if getting her back to um, sea level will, you know, help her performance if there was a benefit at altitude, but overall she struggled big time in this race. And I think, yeah. uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, 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 I don't wish her failure. Um, I would, I would like to see her be to get some measure of success. Um, but, but not sure exactly what that's going to look like at this point. Um, there was a men's 10,000 as well. Um, as Michelle said, it was called the tens and that's just because there was two 10,000 meter races and 25 laps on the track. It is a, a pretty brutal race here. Um, but, um, about 10 men started, including the, uh, the pacers, um, and then five men finished, um, Edward Cheserick, um, who is a, uh, a runner who ran at the University of Oregon and won several NCAA titles, he unfortunately dropped out. I was kind of excited to see uh, what he was going to be able to do, but then he didn't actually make it to the finish line. Um, but then in the end, there were five finishers. Um, and it was sort of interesting because all five of them had like a story, like all five. There, there was none of them just kind of like, oh, OK, yeah, they ran this race. Um, the first place finisher was a guy named Mark Scott, um, who runs for Bowerman. He ran 27.10, and that was the second fastest time ever in a 10,000 meters for Great Britain. Um, and so just kind of out on this, you know, random Saturday night on a track with just a few other guys from your, from your squad. Um, Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid came in at 27.11, just right there behind Mark Scott. Um, that was the number five and number six times uh, ever for U.S. runners. Um, they're pretty far behind still the 2644 that's Galen Rupp's uh, US 10K <laughs> record, um, but they actually slid just under the former American record time of Meb Kofleski. Um, and so, so another pretty impressive performance is there given the fact that it's just you know, a random Saturday night inter-squad meet. Uh, ben True. Uh, husband of Sarah True, professional triathlete, um, who uh, uh, is a, a great runner and Olympian. Uh, he ran a 26-second personal best. Um, it was the first race he had done since 2019. Um, and let's and also so, keep in mind that he is running unsponsored. Yeah, yeah. He was he was out there amidst all of these people who were who are in their their Nike kits in this bright yellow "I'm not sponsored" kit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and, uh, and ran, ran a 26 second personal best, which for somebody at his level to actually take 26 seconds off of their best time is, is really an amazing thing. Um, and then fifth place, the, the fifth place finisher was a guy named Kieran Tutevate. Um, and Kieran Tutevate ran 27.17. Um, and he um, is from Thailand. He's also a, a, um, a Bowerman athlete. Uh, he broke his own record, his own Thailand national record by a minute and 40 seconds. Um, so again, kind of similar to what we're talking about with Ben True, but even more impressive. Um, he had like, it was, his record was just under 29 minutes. It was high 28s. And he goes out and runs 27, 17 uh, to lower his own Thailand national record in the 10,000 meters um, by nearly a hundred seconds. So uh, pretty incredible there and, and super fun to watch. I said at the end of the year podcast that, that one of my favorite things uh, one of my favorite races from last year was watching just one of these inter-squad meets where people just kind of went out and ran fast. Uh, and that's kind of, that's, that's very much what this was too. Um, and so it was sort of fun to watch uh, for sure. What else happened in the racing world? I got a question. Got a oh question. yeah, go ahead, Eric. Why do the records keep falling? Why are <laughs> you people, really good and answer. not just records, but personal records, right? Okay. Yeah. This is a combination. There is no, and nobody, I do not think anybody will have the ability to prove that one 
is more than the other. I think it's the perfect combination of all of these runners are well-rested. None of them spent the summer traveling around Europe. Everybody got to drop back last year. If they had a nagging injury or a tendonitis or something, everybody got to take the time to recover and just train really, really, really smart, not race back to back to back. Like nobody had a track circuit last summer, really, or a real one. And you have the combination of, and you, and this is also what we see at the collegiate and the high school level. You, you see these collegiate and high school kids that are basically just getting to train like professionals. I mean, some of them aren't even in classes, but they're still able to, you know, live with their team and, and train. And everybody is basically getting to almost emulate life as a professional runner. But then you also have the shoes. I mean, whereas we saw the first iteration of the Vaporfly come on the roads at the marathon trials in 2016, we've got all of the carbon plated track spikes now on the track. So there's an indoor shoe, there's an outdoor shoe. I mean, the shoes are undoubtedly making an impact, but I think it's a perfect combination of well-rested, uninjured, finely tuned running the yeah. shoes. And then I'd also add a third one is just the general excitement and gratitude yeah. to be able That's to race. I was say. That's so, what I, was say. <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine a better a better combination for faster running. And I would also say that these races are not really, you see a lot of strategic track races, which takes away from fast yeah. times. And even in the races, uh, whether it's indoor or outdoor that have pacers, I mean, these women are, and men are running like balls to the wall. Like they are knocking pacers off the track. They feel good. They're just going for it. Like there's yeah. nothing left. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's easier to do when what's your next race. They don't know. Like we'll take whatever's given to us and then we'll go out there and we'll run hard. Um, so yeah. I think it's just going to get better over the summer. I agree. I agree with everything that Michelle just said. I think, I think times are the focus. I mean, like, like these two rate, these races we watched on Saturday. I mean, Incredible. I said that, I said that Mark Scott won. They don't care who won. I mean, they weren't out there to win the race. Mark Scott is not going to put on his resume. Oh, guess what? I won the 10 on, no, but you know, he February, won in whatever, 27, 10. <laughs> so, so yeah, what it is, is that he won in 27, 10 because 27, 10 is what he was looking for. Um, it doesn't matter that he actually won the race. What matters is that he was going out there at the time. And that was the goal. Um, and that's different from, you know, winning the diamond league meet or, or winning belt class or whatever it happens to be right they're going for times and times of the goal um and so we, we've talked about all these things the, the 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 only thing that's missing i think that would make them go even faster is that wave like technology that that is now being employed in some of the tracks in europe and so um i don't know whether that's going to make its way to tracks in the united states or not but maybe that wouldn't make any difference because you know the pacers are out there doing what it is they're doing um, i mean i think they're doing a pretty good job on high school tracks, yeah, <laughs> you know, if anything, it's the exact opposite of what we're seeing with all the fancy, sophisticated light mm. technology in Europe. Um, yeah. So, so the, the, the only other thing I'll add amidst all of these other factors, and we've talked kind of in a, in a disjointed way about these factors over the course of the last month or so, but the only other thing I'll add too, is that they are with the exception of what you just said, Michelle, with the exception of the tracks that they're running on, um, they're basically able to craft whatever race they want to run on whatever right. day at whatever time of day that they want to run. And so, so the Bowerman track club can basically say, we're going to gear all of our training around having a really, really good race on February 20th. 
Um, and we're going to do it in the evening. And so we're going to do most of our hard runs in the evening. So we're going to be able to mimic, like a, make it feel like a workout. That we don't, you, you, you can basically manipulate all of those factors you normally don't have any control over. You, you can manipulate all of them. Um, and, and I think that that matters too. The other side of that conversation also is where is USATF in all of this? Why aren't they out there, you know, providing race opportunities for the American athletes? It's the track clubs that are doing it. Literally the 10 was the prize money was crowdfunded. You know, mm-hmm. it was yeah. the people and the runners themselves are making these meets happen. So it's like the the mile race that Emma Coburn's training group put on, you know, in Indiana or whatever it was like, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes money. And it's like, why are they having to do everything? And USATF is doing nothing. Um, but yeah. So, so let's when look. USATF gets out of the way, we set records. <laughs> oh man. I could think of a lot of great things that would happen if USATF got out of the way. But- <laughs> yeah, I think that, my, so the reason why I asked the question is not just because to, to, to hear all the great thoughts that you guys just produced, but you know, we're in, in the business world. One of the things we're doing right now is we're saying, well, what is the new normal going to be? Right. So what is the new normal going to be? Are we going to stop mm-hmm. focusing on um, big events and big series that bring people into the stands? And we're going to start focusing on real homegrown uh, track club specific sponsored, you know, crowdsourced running to take people to their limit, you know, um, or is this going to be one of those periods in time where we set all these records and then we never get to them again? And we I mean, go, it would take the athletes, a great question. Yeah. How it would we, take the athletes basically taking on USATF and there is already a movement to reframe the whole governing board and there is, and it's, and it's athlete led, but I would say that, you know, whatever movement they had before this, they will have even more now, but can you really take down USATF? That means you take, you know, you got Nike along with that. I mean, I think, unfortunately, ultimately, uh, when pandemic days come to an end, yeah, we're going to be hard pressed to see this type of racing again. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I literally submitted an institutional review board uh, proposal yesterday for for research that I'm going to be doing on on practices that will remain in schools following the pandemic. Um, and so, I mean, this is a question that, that we're not just asking in business, we're asking everywhere. Um, sure. And so I, I, th- I think that Eric, you're totally right that we should be asking that in sport as well. Um, and so, so, you know, when we're forced to do things differently um, and then we're not just going to go back to normal, we're going to go to post COVID and, and hopefully in the process here, we were forced to try mm-hmm. some things that, that maybe it turns out that even in non-pandemic times would be something positive. Um, and so, so we'll see about that. Um, there's one other race two well, two other quick races we want to talk about here. Um, one result, I, w- I want you to mention Alan, 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 what Allison Felix did over the weekend. Sure. So, um, I wanted to just move quickly from outdoor professional running to indoor professional running. Uh, we saw the American track league has put on, uh, quite a few, they had a series of events. It was mostly, uh, sprint distances and field events. And we saw Allison Felix run in Arkansas in the indoor track this weekend, she ran a 200. Um, she ran a PR from 17 years ago. She ran 2259. <laughs> um, as most, or if you don't know, I mean, she's obviously the most decorated uh, female track and field athlete in American history. And she had a baby and she left Nike. She signed a deal with Athleta. She's been extremely vocal in, um, you know, motherhood and professional running and um, everything that 
played into her choosing to have a baby and how it hurt her with Nike and why she made the move to Athleta. And can she actually come back uh, and make another Olympic team? And I would say the 2020 Olympics, but it's a 2021. And the 200 is not her wheelhouse. The 400 is, is really where she shines. But to right. see her run this speed 17 years later in a 200 is just, I mean, amazing. In inspiring. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. Um, people always say, well, what's your, you know, I'll, I'll run a race a little bit. Is that your PR? I'm like, well, my PR was literally 25 years ago. Well, get on um, it, George. So, so I know if Allison Felix can, can PR 17 years later, then, then maybe I could at least get somewhat closer than I am already 25 years later. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, I just, I think, especially as you know, women get into their mid to later thirties and then obviously recover from pregnancy and, and birth. I mean, to go down in distance and run faster than you did yeah. when you were, you know, firstly professional um, is just, I mean, she's got to feel so good about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I will get a chance to, to try that because I am racing this weekend, Michelle. So, so let's talk a little bit about that really quickly. Uh, the other race that I want to make sure that we talked about uh, the Atlanta half marathon is this weekend and they have a pretty stacked pro field. <laughs> Super stacked elite field. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got an email from Patrick Ollinger, um, our friend last week. And he said, and Patrick won the Atlanta half marathon a few years ago. Uh, and he said, I'm glad I went ahead and got my Atlanta half marathon title because I don't yeah, know that is. I'm going to be getting it again. <laughs> so um, Patrick's still injured, not able to run, but, uh, but, but definitely, uh, given the people that are on the, the, the pro list, the starting line this weekend. Yeah. He's not going to be, he's going to be in good company with whoever it wins this weekend. Who's going to be there, Michelle? I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, for the women, we're going to see um, Molly Seidel come back and we're going to see Natasha Rogers, who has a great story. She trains with uh, Brooks Hansen. But I think the, the bigger picture around what Atlanta Track Club is doing this weekend is, uh, you know, because of COVID, they took the race to the Atlanta Motor Speedway. So mm -hmm. instead of a very hilly, <laughs> difficult course, which, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, typically, you know, a really fast recreational runner goes out and wins this race. They went out and they gave a bunch of uh, professionals the opportunity to come down and make a big elite field. And I think part of the draw is the fast course. Part of the draw is it's an official race opportunity with, you know, COVID precautions in place. Right. But I also think a lot of the chatter is around people want to come back to Atlanta. A majority of the people mm -hmm. racing are people that raced in the trials last year, this mark, this weekend, will literally mark one year since what most people in the running world feel like was the last major event, you know, before the world turned upside down. Um, so I just think Atlanta Track Club created an opportunity and they reached out to people. And I mean, the elite fields are what, 10 or 15 deep on each side. I mean, people yeah. were, you know, jumping at the bit to to take the offer to come down. So I'm jealous that you're going to be there. <laughs> I know I, you I'm can't spectate, but you're still going to yeah. be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's, let's talk about some of those safety protocols and that sort of thing. So, so I, I only just, I only signed up a couple of days ago. Um, and when they first announced they were going to be having it on this weekend and, and they were going to be having it at Atlanta Motor Speedway and they were going to have COVID-19 protocols in that place in, in place, I actually put it out um, to a lot of people I knew and said, Hey, y'all should run this race for no other reason, because you should support safe racing and and the atlanta track club is really really adamant that their races are going to be safe and so as you mentioned they changed the venue and so rather than running like through the heart of atlanta which is a super cool half marathon and marathon course they normally have that runs right through atlanta they super actually moved cool to and super hilly super cool and super hilly yeah yeah no if you're going to run through the heart of atlanta it's going to be hilly because atlanta is a hilly place 
um, but they moved it to the Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is south of Atlanta. Um, and it starts in the parking lot and you run kind of around the parking lots and around some of the, the neighboring roads and that sort of thing. And then yes, of course you finish on the track. And so you come onto the track around for the half marathon, you come onto the track around a little bit after the 10 mile mark, you run through the tunnel and then you run the last, basically the last 5k, slightly less than 5k around the track. You do about one, about one and a half full laps around the track. Um, and then you finish there on the track. Uh, they gave a virtual option, of course. They separated out in two separate days. Um, they put the 5K runners on Saturday, uh, on Saturday night, and then the uh, the half marathoners and the marathoners on Sunday. Um, when I signed up, I had to actually choose a start time. They have appointed start times and only a certain number of people that, that can go for those particular start times. And then even within that, they have two separate starting lines for each individual start time. So it's kind of funny. I started at 8.05 and everybody else I know, I'm like, what time are you starting? Well, I'm starting at 7.45. What time are you starting? I'm starting at 8.30, you know, 8.35. Um, but anyway, um, you can only line up on your starting line 15 minutes for the start. Um, they have temperature checks when you arrive on site. Um, you can only pick up your race numbers on race day. So there's no expo um, and they can only be picked up 45 minutes before your start. And so really the earliest I can get there is about seven o'clock and the earliest I can pick up my packet is, is 7.20 since I'm starting at 8.05. Um, you have to wear a mask all the time. Um, when you're going through the area, when you are picking up your packet, when you're going to the starting line, you have to wear a mask the entire time, except when you start running. And so as soon as you start running, you can pull your mask off. But then they said, as soon as you cross the finish line, you have your mask and you have to put it back on. Um, there's no gear check. There's no pace teams. There's no hydration stations, which is a big deal for, for people who are going to be out there doing the marathon. And so, so it is a much different feeling event. I look forward to telling you all next week exactly what it does feel like um, because there, there's clearly a lot of things that are going to be different here uh, at this race this weekend. But so, George, safe. will you carry water? I don't, I haven't decided. I don't think so. Because uh, normally it's I don't drink a lot hot. of water in a half marathon anyway. I'm going to check the weather um, and try and decide. Uh, I might carry something with me at the start and then drop it in the first couple of miles. Um, but we'll see. I have to check the weather and see what it's going to be at 8.05 when I start. Um, I, uh, this will also give me a good chance to have a nice long race in my Skechers Go Run Speed Elite. Hyper Elite Speed Burst, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so yes, indeed, uh, which I look forward to. I've done some short, I've done some short workouts in that. So this will give me the opportunity to do a long uh, race in this. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, to, to not only be on the track, but also um, we'll, we'll see how fast the people that start with 805 at 805 with me go. Uh, the pros will have already started 45 minutes earlier. Um, and so, so they're going to be gone. Um, they're probably going to be coming back onto the track about the time that I leave. Uh, <laughs> and so it's just going to be, it's going to be a much different feel. Um, and so I look forward to seeing what it's like. Um, but, but I definitely would not have signed up had it not been for, for all these COVID precautions in place. And so I'm excited about that. So I look forward to seeing them in practice. Very good. Yeah, George, uh, you guys mentioned the difference in running through Atlanta with all the hills and then being on the motor speedway. Mm -hmm. um, Grace is in this, my daughter, Grace, who is a, a runner, ultra marathoner, track runner, cross country runner, but she is in this college search right now. And one of the colleges she put an application into is the Colorado School of Mines. Mm -hmm. And um, she's been accepted to Georgia Tech um, and she's got this thing out there for the Colorado school of mines. So we were talking about running in those two different locations. She said, but 
if I don't go to the Colorado School of Mines, it's the only school I have in Colorado where I could run on real hills. Mm-hmm. That, uh, <laughs> you need to do a little running in Atlanta before you say that there are no hills in Atlanta. Yeah, and she kind of, you know, the way a typical teenager react to this, she kind of got a little taken aback and she, then she got her footing and she said, yeah, but the view's not the same. That's true. Well, yeah, you're not in Golden, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I so, mean, do we need to talk about, do we need to weigh the pros and cons of going to Atlanta or going to Golden for college? Do, 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 we, do we need to, to make this decision for Grace? Is that what you're saying? I don't think <laughs> we need to, I don't think we need to weigh the pros and cons of the running environment differences when we're talking about a college education that's going to cost about $120,000. Sure so we do. I She's think already it's a an ultra-marathoner. It's a pretty clear choice. <laughs> Go to grad was, school so, out in Colorado. Inter- so interesting story. And, and, and this will probably be the last thing we say here because we got to wrap it up here. Um, we're actually recording in the middle of the day for once. That's the reason why Michelle is so awake. Um, but <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we have to wrap it up coffee. here because all of us have to actually get back to work. Um, but the, uh, the, the one thing I will say, I think is kind of interesting. So my coach, as you all know, my high school coach uh, uh, died of COVID. Um, and his son works for Nike. Um, and I'm hoping to actually bring his son on the podcast sometime over the course of the next year. His son is a product developer for Nike. Um, and he worked in Boulder for a while. And then now he works in Portland. But he said that when he worked in Colorado, he obviously worked with people from the University of Colorado in Boulder. But he said the most interesting conversations he had were with the runners and the coaches at the Colorado School of Mines. Um, because he said that the questions they asked him about the structure of the shoe and, and the different technology behind it, um, you know, talking to these really hardcore engineers at the Colorado School of Mines, um, they, they held him and they held the products to a much higher standard um, than any other place that he worked with. I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. So it wasn't about the colors and the the touch so, of the yeah exactly right yeah no, they didn't care so much about the colorway they cared more about the structure and, and the school and ultimately what of the of the shoe and ultimately what it was going to do for them in their running so yeah very good all right y'all michelle last word i would like to quickly just tell everybody that uh if you want a different type of podcast but also running and you're excited uh about the olympic trials this summer road to the trials podcast is back uh it was previously called road to the olympic trials and it featured a few people building up to Atlanta last year. Um, He was not allowed to use the word Olympic in his title. So he's brought back uh, six runners that he's profiling. It's two to two-ish episodes a week that'll drop. Um, They're billed towards qualifying for uh, USA's, uh, whether it's getting the American standard to run um, at the Olympic trials or the Olympic standard to hopefully make an Olympic team. Um, Chiara D'Amato, Dana Giordano, Olivia Baker, Baker, Frank Lara, Tyler Day, and Abe Alvarado are going to be featured. And I like it because it's just kind of like a, a series podcast. It's not just an interview or discussion. And you kind of get the whole play-by-play of where the athlete is and how they're building and what they're choosing to do next. And sometimes these guys get injured and they don't even get to finish out the season. So you kind of see in real time, uh, the life of, you know, a professional athlete trying to make an Olympic team. So that's my plug. Cool. That's my last word. Very good. Tyler Day. I didn't know he was one of the ones on there. So yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Very good. Eric, what's your last word, man? Final word. I'm really glad that Michelle's back to running. 
I'm looking right forward on. to giving her some kudos on Strava. George, I'm excited about <laughs> hearing about this, uh, this uh, half marathon attempt of yours. Not attempt, Thanks, buddy. half marathon uh, run of yours. I, I love the fact that it was, yeah, a couple of days ago, I just decided I was going to run this. I know. What the heck? Like <laughs> That's so un-George-like, so un-George-like, so uncalculated. I'm just- File this under I, why George is difficult to coach. Yeah, you know, it, it went, it goes all the way back to the whole conversation about the shoes that we went through and should I buy them and this great price and this whole conversation that you, Michelle, and I had. And then that culminates in, well, now I have to run in them. So I'm going to go run that <laughs> marathon. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited to hear about that. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I'm excited to run it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here4slayrx, that's the number four, slayrx, Twitter, at official slayrx, and Instagram, here4slayrx, the number four, slayrx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.